Tribute the Fade Row dedicate this episode to Jack Canosa. Once a tiger, always a tiger. Coming at you from the Hey Yo Studios, it's the Fade Route with DNZ. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Coming at you live from the AO Studio. AO. It's the Fade Route with DNZ. I am D. We've got a great show for you tonight. Mets may have a top, toxic clubhouse. We are blindsided by Michael Orr and the story behind the blindside. And the tubby hooks Danny Butler joins us on the in route. But we'll begin today's show with some news out of the AFC East. Got some action. A few veteran running backs getting a job this year. The New England Patriots signed Zeke Elliott. And then the We Are a Quarterback Away Jets signed Dalvin Cook. Z, which player will have more success this season? Well, it all depends on how they're used, really. If you look at the Jets' depth chart, you know, they re- they activate Brees Hall as well from Pup. A day so, later, right? Right. Or so a day before. Have, <laughs> no, I think it's a day after. So, yeah, a day after, right? So, so yeah, so you have Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Michael Carter's still there, Bam Knight is still there. Bam Knight, you, I forgot that. Much. Bam Knight is going to be eventually be the best out of all. But you're running four deep with the Jets. Dalvin Cook is a luxury. And he's an affordable luxury. One year, $8.6 million. Well, we were right. He wasn't coming for five. Right? He came for almost nine. So, you figure, you know, with his name recognition and you're not... And the fact that you don't want to rush Brees Hall back, he's going to get the primary burn. But that's still a passing team. As long as Aaron Rodgers is there... The lion's share of the snaps are going to go through the air. If you look at the Patriots, Bill Belichick always likes to consider himself, anyways, pre-Brady, a run team, right? It was always a balanced attack, right? Even when Brady was doing his thing, you had a guy like a Corey Dillon, a Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. You had guys moving the ball, Sony Michelle later on. Zeke has to upset or, you know, he has to upend Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson, who's a good running back. Like, I don't know if he's an every down running back. Like, Damian Harris is no longer there. He's in Buffalo. So, Zeke is really filling in that Damian Harris role. I think that in the end, just because of sheer numbers, right? If, if the sheer you know, depth chart of it all, Zeke is going to have more of an impact because, for one, he's only got to beat out one guy instead of three, and he's going to get more opportunity than Dalvin Cook will probably get. And later on in the year, that may that may change things, you know, a little bit. 
as the year goes on and if the Jets are in a good position, right, they may not need to have number eight slinging the ball like he's wont to do. They might be able to put it in the deep freeze a little bit. So that shift might kind of favor Cook. But in the current landscape, in the current situations that both teams are in, that both players are in, I got to say, Zeke has a better chance of making a better impact than Dalvin Cook right now. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is, is like you were talking about Zeke upending Stevenson, but he really doesn't even have to, right? I mean, he could just really hawk goal line carries. True. And he can be good in short yardage. I mean, here's the deal. Everyone says Zeke's on the slide, but could I interest you in 876 yards and 12 touchdowns? Yes. Could I interest you in that? Yes. I mean, I get his yards per carrier down. I think it went down. I think it was like it started at five. Then it was like at four, six, four, two. And then last last season it was under four. But I mean, come on. He's not worth he he's not worth ten million dollars a year. And I know he's going to be a goal line hawk for the Patriots. That's the whole thing. And the truth is, Stevenson struggled last year in the red zone. And he struggled on the goal line and he struggled in short in short yardage. Zeke is not gonna struggle, man. He's gonna run, he's gonna run through people. And let and let's see, in the goal line, in last season, Stevenson, I'm sorry, let me read this right. In two seasons, Stevenson has has a total of 10 touchdowns. Last year, Zeke alone had 12. I mean, I mean, Stevenson, Stevenson might be the back of the future, but the Patriots have a nice two-headed monster right now. Now, when you look at the Jets, <laughs> Talon Cook on the Jets, I mean, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a day, like you said, a day after or a day before, whatever, they take they take Brees Hall off the pup, and all they've been talking about is how great Brees Hall is going to be, how fresh he's going to be. He's he's ahead of schedule, and, and we're we're going to be we're going to be great with Brees Hall. And then you got Michael Carter saying, I don't know what's going on here because last year they brought in Robinson towards the end of the season after Brees Hall went down. Meanwhile, he was toting the rock pretty good, and now you're going to go and sign Cook. How do you think that makes how do you think that makes Michael Carter feel? It just seems like a crowded backfield. I don't know who's going to tote the rock. I don't know who the load's going to be on. For a team that was only a quarterback away, they've signed quite a lot of free agents this year and that's not the answer all the time is just to have a lot of talent. No, it's true. And I got to say, like which one of the Jets running backs is proficient at pass blocking? Like that's gonna be helpful yeah. to them. That's gonna yeah. that's gonna help weed out who gets the bulk of the playing time. Because your left tackle right now, because you're waiting on Mackay Becton and you don't know if Mackay Becton is going to make it back. Your left tackle, your blind side tackle is Billy Turner. He's not good. I'm throwing I mean, the, he's not good. I mean, but here's the deal. It's like if you're come on, Z, if you're asking who's the best running back on the team right now, it's Dalvin Cook, right? Oh, in name in name only, yes. How but, are you gonna say in name only the last four years the guy's had over a thousand yards every single season? Yeah, his per his per attempt has gone down last season, but he's only 27 years old. I mean how how could he not be? Your Brees Hall's coming off of a serious knee injury. 
and Michael Carter is only like five nine. I mean, yeah, really, height really, doesn't. You you're really gonna say that? You're not sure. You're really gonna say by name only? It's by name Cook? only. Yeah, he's had, he's suffered injury problems too. So yeah, let's not be real. Let's be very real true. Here. But he played all 17 games last year. He did. Played all 17 but, games last. Year. So that that's a, a plus in his favor. But he's also not in camp on time. That's another factor. Like, what shape is he That's keeping fair. himself in? Is he in football ready shape? Is he in? Well, well, there, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between being in shape and then being in football shape. You yeah. get the shit beat out of you in a football game. Yeah. Like, let's be real here. Ken is Dalvin Cook physically ready to take the pounding that he's used to taking? Mm-hmm. The, the one good thing, though, is like last year he had Madison. This year, he could be even fresher because yeah. you got Carter. You can run some two-back sets. You can do some fun, interesting things. Never, never mind. It's Nathaniel Hackett. But <laughs> if you had a, an offensive coordinator who, like a Kyle Shannon, who kind of is an innovator, or kind of is an innovator, kind of is an innovator. He's kind of an innovator. Kind of, a, he, I'm kind of a big deal around here. He's kind, of, he's kind of a big deal. You know. His running backs are great. Like, quarterback is the issue there. Like, keeping your quarterback upright. But running backs, he can do really good things with running backs. Now, if you had a guy like Kyle Shanahan with this kind of backfield, you can do some really interesting things. Now's the time for Nathaniel Hackett to get into the get into the, the lab here and start coming up with some ideas. And, of course, run them by eight because you need to run them by eight. But in terms of, like, right now, I got to say, like, Zeke intrigues me from the Jamal Williams standpoint. Jamal Williams led the league in touchdowns last year for, for a rusher, for a rushing back. Uh, yes, back, very good valid so, point. Yeah. Yeah. So where did he get those? He hawked them on the goal line. Hawked it. Hawked the shit out of it. Yeah. So that's what Jamal Williams did. You're telling me Zeke can't do what Jamal Williams did? What? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he can. Yeah. Not only that, but not for nothing, Zeke is much more intimidating on a third and two or a third and four or uh, a third and goal than any of those other backs. I'm sorry. Like he and the, the Patriots got him at a bargain, a bargain. I think you said for for a cook they're paying like six million or eight million dollars yeah one year 8.6 yeah i think zeke's only getting like a mil five (laughs) and i think he's getting like a six hundred thousand signing bonus like he got nothing for this like they got him on the cheap and that's the whole thing is like the the patriots are going with the discount right they're going they're going with the coupon guy you know it's like yeah we could pay x amount of dollars for dalvin cook but who's cheaper dalvin cook or Zeke Elliott. And for some reason, Zeke Elliott's a lot cheaper because, like I said, people think he's on the slide. Which I don't we, call, we call that a make-good contract. Yeah. And, and I think Zeke the, is definitely going to make good on that. Right, and that's just the Patriots being the Patriots, man. Remember they got that kid, Chris Hogan? Yes. Like Chris, number 15, tearing it up. Guy was, like, cut by Buffalo, like, couldn't get a job. And, and he wound up being the best, one of the best receivers on the team that year. Dude was a lacrosse player. He was he was a co- he was contemplating going to Major League Lacrosse. So they they know what they're doing, and like I said, I mean, I think we haven't done the order up in the AFC East, but I'm pretty sure both of us are going to have Patriots near the bottom. But guys, 
man, just we're all sleeping on them. We're not hearing anything about them. And watch, they're just going to come out and be like, what? how did we not talk about the Patriots being better? The issue with them is the quarterback. It's Mac Jones. Like, what's the maturation process look like? Look like because they have weapons. They're three deep at tight end. They brought in Juju. Say what you will about Juju, but you know what? He wins. He, he, wins. he wins. You know, Bourne is still there. You have guys. Like, this is the time. If Mac Jones is going to be the guy that we thought he was going to be out of Alabama, he needs to take a major step forward. The offense is ready. The offense has the talent. It's on Devontae the Parker. quarterback. Devontae Parker, yeah. You're, you're, you're a boy, Dante, Devontae <laughs> Parker. You love that guy. It's time. It is time. Yeah, I mean, I get – you know what it is? is like they're just more defensive-oriented. Like they've got – I didn't realize how good they were on defense last year. If you look through the statistics, they were like one of the best defenses last year and actually have been the last five years. A creepy Steve is very good at uh, coaching. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, offensively, you're getting the bargain guys. You're getting bargain talent like Juju Smith-Schuster. Like you said, Devontae Parker. These are guys that, you know, they, they left the team that drafted them and they're still trying to find out their niche in football, you know. And and when was the last time, you know, Bill drafted a wide receiver, or drafted any skilled position player like worth a damn. Like he just, he's been oh, missing I'm, that. I'm glad you added worth a damn because I was about to throw Nikhil Harry out there. Like, yeah, like, well, Jacoby Myers was good. Like, I think yeah. Jacoby Myers was a solid. And he's a Raider now. And he's a Raider now. Like, wait, wait a second here. So, what you're telling me is that the New England Patriots are now the feeder team for the Las Vegas Raiders. Possibly. I mean, you have the quarterback, the coach, the one of the wide receivers. It's kind of, it's kind of sad when you think about it. It's like how the mighty have fallen. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto. We really care about what's under your hood. But speaking of how the mighty have fallen, we usually do not take much from preseason games. Right? It's a Diet Coke. I like preseason. You don't. I, I'm not a fan. Like, it showed, <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. The first two are meaningless, and then the last one, that, that's very high risk for little reward. Just ask Mark Sanchez. Oh. But there was one game over the weekend that everybody's talking about. It really gave him something to talk about, and that was the Raiders and the Niners. Trey Lance started for the Niners in a bit of a showcase game. He went 10 of 15 for 115 yards in a tutty. That's a fine stat line, right? That look, that sounds good, especially for a preseason. But he was sacked four times. He didn't really seem sure of his throws, and he was almost picked off twice. So word on the street, the little scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt is the Niners love them some Sam Darnold, and Brock Purdy would have to melt on the field to lose his starting job. And. Even Brandon Allen or Kyle Allen is a is no, a he's Brandon. I think you're right. It, it's Brandon. Brandon. It was Brandon, right? There's, it's there's Brandon. Is it Brandon Allen? It's one I'm of pretty sure Allen. it's Brandon Allen. I think you had it right. It's the one who doesn't back up Joe Burrow. Or the one who did back up Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yes. It's yes. Brandon Allen. I've confirmed Bra- Brandon, Brandon Allen. Allen. I thought so. He's Brandon the program. That, he, love you, Brandon. Love your work. Back. You really know how to get that orange Gatorade. At just Thanks for that Broncos signed jersey, buddy. <laughs> anyway, he's a proven backup. Leaving, where does that leave Trey Lance? On the bench. Ugats, that's where he is. <laughs> now, if the Niners end up cutting Trey Lance, will this be the biggest swing and a miss in NFL history? Oh, you know, I'm thinking about this. I don't think so. Um, I think Mitch Trubisky was a pretty bad one. I mean, the 40, um, the Bears gave up a lot to move up to draft him, and that was a guy that only played one year of college football. Um, the Bears traded up, with, you know, the Bears traded up to get him. Jets trading up to get Mark Sanchez. <sighs> Butt fumble. Jets trading up to get Sam Darnold. Oof. I mean, Lance is, listen, Lance is pretty bad. But the problem is, right, he missed his last year of college because of COVID. Like, they canceled the season. They just played one game to showcase him. He's 6'5", big, strong quarterback in D2, right? Then Jimmy G almost gets to the Super Bowl, right? Then right. Lance gets hurt. And now there are just veterans on the team that run the offense better than him, right? I mean, he hasn't really played football in like three years. So, you know, the problem with Lance is he, he just, he needs, he, he needs to play. He needs time. And I think that's what we saw in that preseason game is like when he, the game, the start of the game is awful. Like he was tentative. He was staring down his rece- his receiver in zone coverage. He couldn't he couldn't sit still in the pocket. He's getting sacked, and this is a big, strong guy, and he's getting knocked down, and, and there's no fighting him. But then, as he eased into the game, as he got into a flow, things started to click. You know, and then he, he finishes ten for fifteen. Like it just he needed time. But if you're Shanahan, I, I don't need a guy that needs time. I got three guys here that know this offense, that are playing it well. And, you know, for, like, you know, for for Lance, what he needs is he needs, like, a John Gruden. He needs, like, a Sean McVay. He needs, like, a Sean Payton. That's, like, that's what he needs right now. And that's just just not going to happen here in San Francisco. I think the 49ers wanted Wilson in the draft, and we talked about this years, you know, years ago. And the Jets took him, which, you know, turned out to be bad for Wilson and also bad for the 49ers. But I, I do not see this as the biggest swing and a miss. I do still think Shanahan and, and uh, Lynch should be fired mm-hmm. because they wasted the pick and you could have had better players at that position, but you chose to take, you chose to trade draft picks and trade up to get a guy who didn't really play college football. And now you found out that the last guy you took in the draft is going to be the starter. He'd have to melt it for us to start somebody else. Well, that just tells me you don't know what the hell you're doing. So, yeah, that's where I sit. Well, it's a gamble, right? It was definitely a yeah. gamble making gamble. that trade. Gambles don't play off. Someone Not always. The price. Absolutely. If you're looking at it, right, think about some gambles that took place. Let's talk about Jamarcus Russell. That's a gamble. 
31 games, 18 career touchdowns. Mm, handed, a blank, handed a blank DVD. Coach, that, those are some great <laughs> plays. We should run them. Yeah, but the only thing I would say about Jamarcus Russell is he had a really good college career, and he could throw the ball from his knees like 60 yards. Like, the talent was there. It's just the drive and the competitiveness wasn't, and they didn't find that out until he got there. You know, there's there was this kid played for South Dakota State, man. Yeah, but still, like, that's the thing. Like, you've, you've gotten guys from... That to be Jeff Carson Wentz. You literally have a guy who's he paid for right now. Well, he's looking for a job as well. Yeah, he's unemployed. Trey Trey Lance might be looking for a job too, but (laughs) they'll find you if you're talented. Oh, he's going to get a job. He's going to get a job. Oh, he's going to get a job. He's going to get a job. Oh, hundred percent. For the 49ers. right? He's he has talent. It just needs to be developed. Like he. And the same thing with listen. The same thing with Zach Wilson. I believe Zach Wilson has talent. He's just not an NFL quarterback yet. He needs someone to make him into an NFL quarterback. And that's and I don't I don't know. There's not a lot of Trevor Lawrence's out there, man. Like no. even Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers came out. He sat behind Brett for how many years? Three, four years. Three years. Yeah. But if they think about the stretches, right? Like. The guy, the quarterback taken before Aaron Rodgers with Brady Quinn, Oof. right? That was bad. That was a stretch. Johnny, Man- we can do this just on the Browns. <laughs> Tim Couch, number one. Johnny yeah. Manziel. Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon. That was. I really thought he was the what about, future. What about the Carolina Panthers taking Chris Winkie? He was thirty. Yeah. So, you know, like come on now. Ryan Leaf at number Ken two. Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey. Eesh. Like there have been. Trey Lance will be one of many. He won't be the only one. That's the thing. Like, Browning Nagel. Like, these guys have played in the NFL. Akili Smith. Akili Smith. You know, he was at Oregon. So, there have been plenty of guys. Like, think about the guys who were taken ahead of Tom Brady. Giovanni Carmazzi comes to mind. Mark Bulger was good, though. Bulger was good. Mark Bulger was good. You know? Chad Pennington had his he was, moments. He was good. When he was healthy, he was good. Yeah. But to, to say that... Chris Redman? Not oh, Chris. Yeah. Eh, you know. Then you get a guy like Todd Marinovich. You were mentioning Trevor Lawrence, right? Like, basically bred to be a starting quarterback. Like, you know, Todd Marinovich was the test tube quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, for every Trevor Lawrence, you're going to get a Todd Marinovich. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's just destined for failure. But you you boiled it down to the absolute God's honest truth. If Kyle Shanahan and Brian Greasy can develop this guy, you might have something. You might still have something. He's young enough, right? He's inexperienced. He's only had eight career games. Right. Eight. Can I, interest, the... can I interest you in more than eight before we make a snap judgment? I mean, yes, Brock Purdy has wrestled that job away from him, but I'm not, you know, last time I checked, the Niners were ready to start Phillip Rivers in the Super Bowl if they got that far because <laughs> there's nobody left. So you're going to need a backup, especially in Kyle Shanahan's system. Oh, yeah. It's oh, bound yeah. to happen. Dude, yeah. We, he's, 
he's actually contemplating. He's contemplating carrying four quarterbacks. Like he really realizes, yeah, people get hurt here. Yeah, I mean, this is a bullpen. It's a bullpen situation. You're going to need to go to the bullpen in the San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> you know, in the San Francisco 49ers system. There's a reason why Josh Johnson was on the roster and got playing time in the NFC title game. It's not either it's the line play or it's the offensive coordination or it's a combination of the two. But quarterbacks go to die in San Francisco. So it's it remains to be seen. It's too early to say that it's a bust. It's too early to say that it was it was a rash decision. He's only played eight games. Brock Purdy's only played nine games. You got to let these guys develop. Now, you're higher on Sam Darnold than I am. Like, that's oh. obvious. Like, you, that's that's you. You're a I'm Sam a Darnold. You're I'm a Sam. Fan. You are a Sam Darnold fan. I'm Absolutely. Fan. He has 20. He at least has 56 career games under his, under his belt. Right. So, you know, we kind of like, this is who he is. Right. Yes, I agree. There's there's tape on Sam. Like we can there kind is. of figure that out. But did any of us see Geno Smith coming? No. None of us saw Geno Smith coming last year. So with the right coaching, right. is it possible that Sam Darnold can be Geno Smith? Yes, absolutely. Yes, and not just because they're ex Jets. <laughs> and you know, it's possible. It's absolutely possible. Although but, the ex Jets do play very well when they leave. And usually against the Jets. Chad Pennington went to the Miami Dolphins and immediately won the division. That's all you need to know about. That's all you need to know about ex-Jet quarterback. Fantastic. Boomer Esiason went to Arizona and he actually revitalized his career for a little while, at least. But you know, it's it's a very start looking at defensive players that left the Jets. You'll be surprised at how well they do too. Everybody except Jamal Adams. Fuck that guy. Jamal, what's his name? John Vilma. Oh, Jonathan Vilma. Oh my God. Super Bowl champion. Stud. But that's the thing. Like you really need to let this breathe a little bit. You know, it might very well end up being an embarrassment, but it also might being might end up being okay. Like I remember watching from Elway to Marino, right? Elway to Marino is a great documentary from ESPN. And they mentioned that, yes, Elway's gone, but you brought in Chris Hinton. And Chris Hinton had a really good career. Is he John Elway? No. But he certainly filled a key role on your roster. So let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's have some pause before we decide that this is the worst thing in history because another worst thing in history is going to come around the corner. That's the beauty thing about, that's the beauty part about history. It doesn't end. There's no bottom there. It's, it, it's an abyss. You think you hit bottom? Nope, there's 50 feet more of crap. Do you love brownies? Of course you love brownies. But you know what's better than a brownie? A delicious, handcrafted, gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep. That's what our guys at Sweet Life Brownie Co. offer. Chef Tommy D and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave. From the classic OB, to Dutch Apple, to Campfire S'mores, and many more. Check out their website, SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, for their Friday brownie drops. 
at noon, their site goes live and you see what they're making. Since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too at SweetLifeBrownie underscore co for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com. Give them a call, 845-641-3043 and tell them D&Z sent you. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, 845-641-3043. Sweet Life Brownie Co. Because there's always room for a brownie. Speaking of crap, in some sad news, former NFL offensive lineman Michael Orr, the former left tackle of the Baltimore Ravens, most notably, is suing his family. Michael Orr's life story was turned into the Oscar-nominated movie The Blind Side. But now Michael Orr is claiming the story is not true. Orr claims that his family, the Tuies, filed conservatorship paperwork and not adoption paperwork. Kind of like uh, a little uh, Britney Spears Britney Spears action, yeah. Yeah. So, allegedly, his family profited off of Michael's story and did not share any of the profits with him. They continue to profit off of Michael by doing motivational speaking based off of Michael's success story and the success of the movie The Blind Side. Do you stand with Michael or his alleged adoptive family? Oh, man, this is ugly. It's ugly. It's so ugly. Bad. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, you know what? At this moment, I'm going to side with the Tui family. I think there was some exploiting going on, but I think they do care for Michael, and I think he benefited from living with them as well. I think both sides benefited from them being in a relationship with one another. But the whole situation is ugly, and I wish there was some way to resolve this without it going the lawsuit route. I mean, Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for this movie, for crying out loud. I mean, imagine if it was all based on a lie. Yikes. But, I mean, listen, I mean, even, this, even, this, even the movie talks about how, you know, people thought that they were simply doing it just for the money or just to get him drafted or just to get him to Ole Miss and, and all that other stuff. Um, I like to believe in the wholesomeness of people. I like to believe that it's not true, that they do care about him. And I think he's he might be being taken advantage of by his attorney or whatever legal counsel that he's been provided right now. Um, Michael made a lot of money playing football. The Tuies already were their Tuies were already a million dollar family. They already had money. They got more money. Um, I just think it's ugly, and I hope that they're able to come to grounds, and I hope they're able to, you know, save whatever could be saved from this relationship. At the end of the day, it is very unseemly on both sides if you are to believe what you're told. Now, according to ESPN, doing a little digging, they found an online Memphian article from Sean Tui, Michael's allegedly adopted father, saying that the reason why they chose to go this route rather than adoption was 
if they did conservatorship instead. It would be a violation of the rules because Chewie, because of his financial status, could have been considered a booster. So it's a weird situation where the NCAA rules were once again rearing their ugly head and it screwed up the situation. Oh, okay. So by do by seeking conservatorship rather than adoption, it was somehow skirting the rules of classification as a booster. So like I don't know about that. But that that's for a lawyer to decide the validity of it. But if that's the Tui story, then you know that's what we're gonna go with. But they were already very well they're very well off. Michael Orr, I believe, made $16 million in the league, maybe a little bit more. So he had he definitely benefited from this partnership, whether it was adoption, family, whatever that may be. And the inspirational story of it all, if it is just in fact a story, is still a feel-good story. It just reminds you that happily ever after, it only exists in fairy tales. So that's something that needs to be remembered. Not everything's a Hallmark movie where it's, you know, happily ever after and then the credits run. There's some, life exists after that. So both sides, I, I don't like airing out the dirty laundry in public, especially if you are family. You keep that behind closed doors. Yeah. You know, if it's going to be legal, if it's going to get ugly, lock yourselves in a room, lock your representation in a room, and go for it there. It is very unseemly. And at the end of the day, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It may matter from the standpoint of, you know, did the Tui's take advantage of a situation... I don't necessarily think they did. It sounds like it was mutually beneficial. Like, he got to go to Ole Miss. He got to play football. He got to, you know. Got drafted. He got drafted. He made a life for himself in the NFL. He made. He lived team. with them. They fed him. He's right. part of their family. I mean, he did family things together. I mean, right. I so that's what we saw. Now, the reality of it, we don't know. And we're hearing his side. We're hearing the two side. And then between them is the truth. But all we can go by is what is factual. And from the outside looking in, it looks like a mutually beneficial situation. Now, later, you know, as things come to light and as you know things become clearer, like how long did it take the Britney Spears thing to work itself out? Years. Yeah. Years. Chick was off her rocker too. I mean, part. I mean, she was definitely. That was definitely stress induced. Like a lot of that was stress induced. So you definitely there. There's gonna be problems that are resulting from this. In this case, familial strain number one and number two. Like definitely some mental health situation as well. But. It just, it's its an unseemly look, and 
Like, all it did was, like, tarnish the story. Like, we, we want to think that that was... We, we want to think that there's some good in the world. Like you mentioned, right? You did this... Yeah. You know, the family did this out of, you know, their heart and out of, you know, a, a, an idea of charity and out of, out of love for this for this child and and love for this person and some level of altruism but you know we see it too many times where people see dollar signs and it makes them do crazy shit like money is the root of everything like remember i said last week follow the money follow the money here Money makes people do really sad, really desperate, and oftentimes stupid things. I would advise, and who am I, right? I'm just, I, I host a podcast weekly. Get into a room. Turn off all of the, turn off the outside world. You get in the room with your representation and you iron this out. If there was any love there, if there was true altruism there, like that, that's the place for, for this, not a courtroom, not public opinion, just hash it out, lock yourselves in a room and make it happen. Is your hair thinning or is your hairline receding? Scalp micropigmentation will fill in the areas where your hair is missing by creating a short buzz cut look. Micropigmentation is a non-invasive procedure that will create the illusion of hair follicles for 7 to 10 years. For people with alopecia, this could be a permanent fix. For people with scars on their scalp, this is a great way to camouflage a scar. Don't lose confidence or feel like you need to wear a hat wherever you go. Marquez Studio is located in the Bronx and is open for all your scalp micropigmentation needs. Consultations are free and appointments can be made any day of the week. Get your hairline back with scalp micropigmentation. The techs at Marquez Studio have over 30 years of haircutting experience and can assist you with all of your questions. Call to schedule a consultation today, 646-221-8728. You can also visit them on Instagram at Bronx Marquez to see their gallery and view all their satisfied customers. Again, that is Marquez Studio, located in the Bronx, New York, 646-221-8728. Two other people that need to lock themselves into a room and make it happen are James Harden and Daryl Morey. It's a minor NBA story, but, you know, it's a continuation of a story that we've been talking about seemingly for a year. (laughs) You know, the regular season starts in a little over 60 days, and James Harden was in China. Okay. But James Harden, while in China, decided to tell people how he felt about Daryl Morey and the 76ers. He just felt the need to unburden himself in that moment. Quote, Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never be part of an organization he is part of, end quote. Directly from the mouth of James Harden. This comes on the heels of the 76ers breaking off trade talks with the Clippers, a team James Harden would like to be traded to. How should Daryl Morey proceed? Well, these are harsh words for your employer, right? Yeah. yeah. 
could you imagine you're a teacher you stand up in the auditorium and be like you know principal whatever I was a liar I'm never gonna work for this organization ever again yeah, mic drop um boom I'm not who's sure. coming with me listen I'm not sure <laughs> who's coming with me I'm not sure how Rory plans to respond, but I hope I hope he takes a stand for all the owners out there and all the GMs out there and hold James accountable for his contract. You know, after being one of the highest paid players in Houston, he forced his way out to Brooklyn. Then in Brooklyn, after being unsuccessful with the Nets, he forced his way to Philly. Where they've paid him handsomely. Yeah. And he's teamed with one of the best players in the NBA. And now he wants to be traded to the Clippers? No place he's gone has he ever won. I mean, just don't give in to what he wants. If you can stomach it. I mean, at some point, someone's got to take a stand. Uh, you know, when he left Houston, I was like, I kind of get it. Like, you're not winning. They didn't build a good roster. You're this doesn't make sense. You should you should go to you should go to Brooklyn. Okay, yeah. Kyrie's there, Durant's there, sure. And then in Brooklyn, it's just like he's trying to force his way to the to the 76ers. And I'm like, alright, you know what? Kyrie's not playing. Durant's hurt. You're doing it all yourself. Management's being weird. All right, James. Okay, yeah, I can get behind you wanting to go to Philly. All right, cool, cool, cool. You get to Philly, you play like trash in the in the season in the playoffs. Your team's with one of the one of the best players in the NBA. They fire the coach because you don't like the coach. And it's like now you want to be traded to the Clippers. Like, well, hold on a minute, man. Like, hold on a second. Like, let's work this out. And then you go and you say this in in front of people. Like you, you trash, you trash me, the guy who got you here, the guy who's paying you, the guy who has his finger on the pulse of whether where you go and what you do. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I just if I if if, if he can stomach it, I sit him. I think he loses something like three hundred eighty-five thousand dollars a game. Let it happen. Let it happen. DNP coach's decision until he comes to his set. You don't suspend him. Right? You don't deactivate him. You don't do any of that. DNP coach's decision. That's it and that's all. That way he accrues time. And then he can go. Or you can get some your somebody will step up and trade for him. Cuz at the end of the day, Daryl Morey needs to do what's best for the Philadelphia 76ers. He does not owe James Harden shit. You owe him Ugas is what you owe James Harden. And this is not the first time that Daryl Morey has dealt with him because who was the GM in Houston? Uh, Daryl Morey. So he's got this one year left. He exercised his option. It's 35.6 mil. He's gone. Let him go. Let him go or have somebody desperate enough to trade for him. You don't need to capitulate to James Harden. You don't need to only trade him to the Clippers. Where's your leverage? 
Like, how do you extract the best possible deal when you're only... It's like Damian Lillard. How are you supposed to extract the best possible deal when he can only be traded to this one team because that's the only team that he's willing to play for? Like, that's ridiculous. Does it work like that? No. Right? I, I, You know, if you used me as an example before. Like, if, I want, if I'm teaching at my current school and... I see there's an opening at Cardinal Spellman, our alma mater, and I really want to work there. I'm not going to go to my principal and say, you're a liar. <laughs> I want to go teach at Cardinal Spellman, and I'm not going to teach here unless you let me out of my contract so I can go over there or send me over there in some kind of comp- weird compensation. Life does not work that way. Only in sports does it work that way. And well, in, really, only in reality, in, only in basketball. Right, right. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Only in basketball does it really work that way. The, I mean, the one time that it worked with John Elway. I want to go play. I want to go play for. I'm not going to play for Baltimore. Okay. You know, <laughs> I, Eli Manning. Like, I only want. I want to play for the Giants. I don't want to play in San Diego. Like, very rarely does it work in sports outside of basketball. But basketball. It seems to work constantly. Now, if you're looking at the Sixers roster, they still have Joel Embiid. They have Tobias Harris. They have Tyrese Maxey. You have three guys there. Like, you have a semi-big three, right? You have, you have a large three. Maybe not an extra large three, but you have... You, you got three competent guys, Right? And one who happens to be the reigning MVP. Just throwing that up. Then you have, like, Pat Bev, Montrez Harrell. You have DeAnthony Melton. Guys that can kind of shoulder the load, right? P.J. Tucker's there. You have players. You have a squad here. Now, how good is it going to be? Like, it would be better if you had James Harden. But this is a 76ers team that could probably, at the very least, make the play-in tournament. Would, would you agree with that, with that statement? That they could at least, as currently constructed without James Harden, make the play-in tournament? Yes. Easily. Easily. Yeah. So, Charlie Finley used to say, when he was going in arbitration, we finished in last place with you. We can finish in last place without you. It's a similar situation here. Like, we can do this with or without you. We'll, we'll be in playoff contention with or without you. Ideally with you, because we'll be better. James Harden, with his head on straight, would get this team probably up into fourth place. Maybe even third. If he's really trying. But he's hell-bent on going to the Clippers. Why? You got me. But Daryl Morey should just keep him there until he shows up, right? Until he realizes that it's hitting him in the wallet, it's hitting him in the ego, and it would be ideal if the the Sixers are doing well. Because that will be the ultimate blow to the ego. I'm like, shit, they really don't need me. I really am that luxury. I am that parsley on the plate. I'm the garnish. Joel Embiid's actually the steak. 
But you're right. Daryl Morey needs to grow a set and tell this guy no. Because in recent years, James Harden hasn't been told no a lot by organizations. Coach, players, he's had this run. Stand up to him, stand your ground, and then when the time is right, if he still wants to go and there's an offer on the table that benefits you and your team, you do it because that is who you are responsible for. You're not the general manager of James Harden. That's his agent. You are responsible for the health and well-being of the Philadelphia 76ers. Don't you forget that. Step outside of your safe area and make a statement without saying much with FCK Clout Lifestyle Apparel. Embrace the colorful chaos and stay emotionally regulated in their hoodie, snapback, graphic tees, accessories, and more. Season 3 merch is up now. Get it while you can. Go to fckclout.com and get all of your needs from men and women. That's fckclout.com. Speaking of health and well-being, Met fans are not doing too well right now. (laughs) Met fans are not doing well at all. The team is doing very poorly. And... They've been absolutely awful since the trade deadline. They won two in a row, and it makes you, you know, it lights you up inside. And then they promptly lose the Pirates. But the Mets have made headlines off the field as much as they've made them on the field. There's an intriguing story coming out about one of their star players. Salicata of WFAN alleges that Pete Alonzo, the polar bear, is creating a toxic clubhouse for the New York Mets. And that the Mets would be better off trading Pete Alonzo. This report is refuted by Steve Gelbs of SNY, who's actually there every day. You know, he's in the clubhouse every day. So Gelbs says, no. Sal says yes. Is this a desperate attempt by Sal Licata to make his new show with Brandon Tierney more popular? Or could there be some truth to this matter? I'm going to go with it, a desperate attempt to make his show more popular. Uh, you know, this, the Pete I see seems like a good guy. He seems like a good egg, but maybe a little bit of a Freddie Freeman type. But I, I can't see him making the the clubhouse toxic i'm sure he's frustrated at you know how bad they are and how they're playing and everybody around him but i don't buy into that he's making the the locker room toxic i do think the mets should explore trading him next year just because i don't i don't think they're going to be able to pay him i don't think it's worth paying him when his max deal is available because they're not ready they're just not ready they 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 put a lot of eggs in the lindor basket so that I can get on board with, but I don't think he's as bad as they're making him out to be. I don't really see him as that kind of person. I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, he he strikes me as a frat boy type, mm-hmm. right? He strikes he strikes me as 
a guy who's kind of aloof. <laughs> a, you know, fun-loving kind of guy, but between the lines, he's serious and he wants to win. That sounds like a guy I want on my team. Never mind his production. Like, this year, he had a really bad bone bruise and he came back too early because he was trying to help the team. Like, everybody can see that, right? That bone bruise should have kept him out for eight weeks. He was back in two. He was on the 10-day IL, did not get extended. He was back in 10 days. So, like, you kind of deal with that. I say that you extend him. He's not an issue. The Mets are a year too late on trading Jeff McNeil, in my opinion. Like, McNeil is a very good hitter. Reigning batting champion. Uh, he's a good hitter. He's a good hitter. He's a good hitter. He's a pretty decent fielder. He's versatile. I, I'd say we can argue that, right? He's playing second. He's played third. He's played corner outfield. He played center field, for, for God's sakes. Guy's all over the place. He has not lived up to his end of the bargain this year. His batting average has dropped 50 points. His power numbers are practically non-existent. And he seems to be developing negative chemistry with Francisco Lindor. That's kind of important. Your double play combination needs to at least be on the same page. And since day one, they've kind of not gelled the way that you would like to. Now, McNeil is feisty, he's temperamental, pissy, if you will. Kind of a crybaby sometimes. It's coming from a Met fan. Like, Jeff McNeil is very much like a Paul O'Neill type or a Brett Gardner type. Every pitch he takes is a ball because he says so. He can never be called for a strike. It, it just strikes me as very frustrating and then you can tell he's frustrated too he's the kind of guy that I would think would rub people the wrong way in the clubhouse because of that kind of chippiness that fieriness like that could rub some people the wrong way because it's intensity right but that can easily be mistaken for something else now we know that Scherzer rubbed people the wrong way. He still rubs people the wrong way. It's what Max Scherzer does. He's now rubbing people the wrong way outside of New York. Particularly umpires. In another report, Justin Verlander was said to be aloof, standoffish, and a diva. And that the clubhouse chemistry was not the same as last year when Bassett was there, when Taiwan Walker was there, and those three guys, Scherzer, Bassett, and Walker, made up the chemistry, the core chemistry of the starting rotation that carried the team last year. So where there's smoke, like this is multiple instances of smoke, there may be fire, but I don't necessarily think that Pete Alonso is that guy. Sal Licata is kind of all over the place with his arguments that one day Alonzo is the face of your franchise, you got to keep him. The next day you're going to trade him. That sounds a little that sounds a little sensationalistic to me. That sounds like a guy who was on the overnight, right? And and Sal was, I believe he was working 12 to 4. 
notoriously thin-skinned, blocks anybody on X that disagrees with him, openly argues with callers, but not in a constructive way, calling them losers. Dude, that loser, that air quote loser, just called into your show. He is your, he is your audience and you're calling him a loser. What the hell is wrong with you? What are you doing? And now you have this new venture with Brandon Tierney, who's a snooze fest. I, I can't listen to him. You put these two guys together and it sounds like a recipe for disaster. And WFAN in general has gone down the tubes in recent years. Now you have Evan uh, Evan Roberts and Tiki Barber in the afternoon to replace Craig Carton and Evan Roberts, who replaced Moose and Maggie. It's it's just not good. It's just they they haven't found the magic that they had with Mike and the Mad Dog. They're still chasing Mike and the Mad Dog. Mike and the Mad Dog have not been together in forever. Now they're going to more sensationalistic, more shocky jock type stuff who are just saying things to get a rise out of fans, saying things to get attention. And it's just, it's not a good look. You know, Beningo's gone. Steve Summers is gone. Mike's gone. Russo's been gone. Boomer, he's barely hanging on. That morning show sucks. (laughs) Love you, Boom. Hate your co-host. That show sucks. So, it's the desperate attempt to hang on to relevancy. WFAN is just absolutely god-awful. And Sal Licata is part of the symptom one. You're just trying to get reactions. Reactions, reactions, reactions. Get to the substance. People will listen to good journalism. People will listen to good radio. If you're going to insult their intelligence or just come out with blatant stupidity, you're going to lose listeners. That's how this works. Do some research. You claim you have. I'm a math teacher. Show your work, son. Put it out there. Show your work. And let the audience decide for itself. This trust me stuff. Trust me. I know what I'm saying. It doesn't work. Put the cards on the table, Sal. Put the cards on the table. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that D&Z sent you.
It's the end route where friends of the show get a special segment with us. Want to be part of the action? Want to be the newest member of the in crowd? You know what to do. Hit us up, faderoutmail at gmail.com or slide in those DMs on Fade Route Podcast on IG or hit that Twitter, FaderoutDNZ. Joining us on the in route today, we have the Tubby Hooks, Danny Butler. Thanks for joining us today, Danny. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate What's it. What's up, Danny? Well, listen, you requested this time to <laughs> vent on the Yankees' last pace campaign. The floor is yours, my friend. Well, it's not the floor. We're below the floor. We're in the basement, <laughs> which hasn't happened since, like, the Stump Merrill years when we were kids. Like, I, you know, it's, it's, we're 500 this late in the season for the first time since 1995. She got hot won like 18 out of the last 21 and wanted to make it in the playoffs but that that was a different team this ain't happening <laughs> I, I mean I can't remember a more disappointing year they're just they're lifeless they're lethargic they're they're hard to watch they're, they're anemic especially without Judge the, the offense is anemic the, the pitching is a disaster I mean you guys like Severino they keep on trotting him out there oh he's a starter he, you know we'll, we'll have an opener it's just and it's it's like they don't care it's like we know Hal doesn't care he's making his money Cashman just wants to stick to his guns to prove he's right. Right about what? I don't know what. And Boone is like a Pollyanna. Everything's okay, you know. They, oh, they we, we're fighting. We're fighting, right? That's what he. That's what he yeah. loves to say at the press yeah. conference. Sevy had some stuff last night. He had, he had... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he threw a couple. He threw a couple strikes. Some of them didn't end up, you know, in the outfield bleachers. He, he too. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> it's like someone told him the other day that. I think we lead the league in double plays. And he says, well, you have to get on base to, 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 you know, to get to double plays. It's like, like, I, I don't even, I've never been a Boone fan, but at this point, I don't even blame him anymore because, like, what's he going to do? I I mean, he makes some bad moves in the in the bullpen. But, you know, when he rests guys after they're hot for a couple of days, that, that's not coming from him. That's no. coming from Cashman and, yeah. and all the analytic nerds up in the front office. Like, it's just, and Boone shows some fight. In terms of the umpires, the umpires hate him. They call him Karen Boone because he doesn't stop arguing. <laughs> and, and like the other day with last year and, and a couple before when he got ejected, he had the umpires were bad. The, the calls he got thrown out on were the right calls, actually. It was one of the few the umpires got right. And, he, you know, he, he just makes an ass out of himself. You know, I I I just was stunned that Hal came out and said that, you know, Cashman is safe, but I, he's unsure about Boone. I don't know how... Cashman could be safe after they're going to finish in last place. At least that's what it looks like right now. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe it either. And, and even if you're, even if you're Hal and you know that you don't want to make a move, why come out and say it? Yeah, at least, I don't. At least you know, maybe it lights a fire in the Cashman to to try to change things up. Cashman went when he first first his first couple years at the Yankees and we were winning championships, and everything. But when George was still alive and very much in the picture, George had two camps. He had. It was Cashman and his guys. And then George had his Tampa cronies that he listened to, and probably too much sometimes. So Cashman didn't have the power he probably should have. But now since George is gone, he has power unchecked. He's like Napoleon. Like no one, he just does whatever he wants, and nobody, you know, makes the same mistakes over and over again. And nobody calls him on it because, like, like, because Hal says he's safe. So there's no reason for to change things. Like you look, we went into this year. All right, Jose Trevino had a had a good season last year. It was a career year. But the last two months of the year, he was back to being a backup catcher. Nagashioka is a nice player. He's a backup catcher. We didn't have a left fielder. So you, you went into, and pretty much like 
like you knew DJ was done. Rizzo, the way they handled Rizzo this year, we all knew he hurt his neck or or a concussion with the San Diego thing when Tatis didn't slide, slide into, you know, on the pickoff attempt. It took them three months of him being terrible to say, oh, you know what, there's something wrong with him. <laughs> but even Rizzo, you know, two years ago when we had a chance, he could have got Freddie Freeman, you could have yes. got Matt Olsen, who, who I really yes. wanted. He's got 42 home runs. He'd have 62 playing Yankee Stadium. Yes. Yeah, at the, at the time, I wasn't, I wasn't upset that we re-signed Rizzo. I thought he was a solid third option. But, like, this, it's becoming too much like that for the Yankees, settling for third options. That's never happened before. I know the luxury tax, but they they still make them they still make the most money in baseball. And Hal doesn't care because Hal's got forty two thousand people in the crowd every night. But Hal's going to get a rude awakening because the last three times we didn't make the playoffs, there was always something happening in terms of that was drawing people to the ballpark. In 08, we had uh, the the last year Yankee Stadium, place mm-hmm. was packed every night. And then the last two times we didn't make the playoffs, it was Mariano's last year and Jeter's last year. That's not happening this year. And if we're still seven games, six games back of a wild card, you know, in mid-September, the place is going to be a ghost town. Maybe that'll be the slap in the face of the way yeah. you up. Yeah, well, keep in mind that the same money they get, gave to Rendon, I mean, um, what's the, the, the pitcher? Rodon. Rodon. Well, that's, the, that's the same amount of money the Dodgers <laughs> gave to Freddie Freeman. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. I know. Just saying. Well, other than Garrett Cole... And Aaron Judge, defend one Yankees performance and name one pleasant surprise this season. I mean, the tough to defend. I think Volpe gets a little too much criticism. Yeah, he's only batting 211, but he's a rookie. And I was happy that, that he made the team right off the bat. I think that, I thought that was a sign of things changing around here. But they kind of, I think they ruined him a little bit. There's no shame in sending the guy to the minors for two or three weeks to fix yes. his swing. Yeah. Especially when, his, especially when his, old, his old minor league teammate fixed it by, you know, helped fix it with the, you know, what was it, Austin Wells, right? He ran into Austin Wells doing, doing yeah. the thing, and he, you know, he went, said, you know, go back to doing this. He had Austin Wells over for dinner, a nice little chicken parm dinner. Oh, the chicken parm, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, chicken parm cures everything. Yeah, it really does. Jeter loved chicken parm. I wish, I wish Volpe, <laughs> you know, played more like Jeter, but, like, I think Volpe could be a player. Um, I think he's a second he, baseman. He could. I mean, he's been. I mean, he's been okay. Short. He doesn't have the greatest arm in the world. But yeah, he might be second baseman down the road. It's the range for me. Yeah. And his instincts. He's not. He just doesn't charge the ball and attack it like you need to at shortstop. He's. He just seems. His timing seems more fit for second base. Just me saying. It does. It, and listen, Glaber's one of the few guys that's hit well this year. Although he's the stupidest base runner I've ever seen. Yeah. And like, can we just sit him once to say like, hey, bud, like you can't. Did you see the play the other day? It was a it was a ground. He's on second with one out. There's a ground ball to third base. It hit the third base bag, but the third base was there, and he, he tagged him out. I was like, how do you run when the ball is at third base? I don't think he understands. I think he thinks everything's a force. I honestly think he doesn't understand. You don't have to run sometimes. But quite possible. It, yeah. It, 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 but why should he? Because he makes a mistake. Aaron Boone says it's okay. He play, he's playing hard, which he doesn't play hard. But mm-hmm. uh, another yes. guy who's been yeah. solid, you know, except for. The, his last performance, I think Clark Schmidt. I think they didn't know if he was a starter or a reliever. He got off to a shaky start, but he's been very solid. I, I think you can peg him in, you know, as a number four going on the rest of his career. With you know, if you get some help around him, but there, there, there's really no bright spots. I'm kind of just you know reaching out of thin air here. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, you can definitely grasp at straws with this team. Like, I mean, the the fact that you could even consider a guy like IKF. Like that, that tells you how far like the rest of the Yankees have yeah. kind of fallen. Like I can't, the versatility of IKF where you know, think about 
utility players in the past, right? Luis Soho, Clay Bellinger. Right. Like they, they all fit a role, but IKF is being lionized for being a utility infielder and utility outfielder. Like he's he's filling a role, but he's like a mythical folk hero at this point to the point where Yankee fans are considering, you know, like, do we want to give him an extension at the end of the year or as a reward? Like, what? What is going on here? That's how he thinks it's getting. And, and listen, I can't, he has done a great job and he's played wherever they asked him to. He gets some big hits. Yeah, like you said, he's, he's a utility guy. Like, that's that's what he is. And he on a, on a good team, he could be a very valuable weapon, you know, especially if you ever make the playoffs. He's got speed. He can play everywhere. But there's nothing. He's played center field a lot this year. He's not a center fielder. Like, we went into the season with, with the, you knew Hicks was terrible or end or hurt. <laughs> you figured, you know, you don't want Stanton playing the outfield. And even though Judge's injury was kind of a freak injury, you expect Judge to spend at least one stint on the DL. They went in with, and Bader, Bader, Bader's, I like Bader, but he's always hurt too. They went in with no options. Got, yeah, during the course of 162 games, Guys like the Jake Bowers and the Billy McKinney's, yeah, they have to step up and they have to play okay. But that's in a small window. You're relying on it. We've been relying on these guys for months. That's that's not a big league baseball team. Never mind no. with the highest payroll in the league. Franchi Cordero cracked the opening day roster. That's all you need to know. Yeah, about exactly. That. Yeah, it's, outfield's it's, a problem. That's it's a huge problem. If you take Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole off this team, th- th- I mean, we're already in last place. I'm not going to force and get, but we're like. <laughs> Yeah, we're like we're like the Royals. Like we're, we'd be awful. Harrison Bader is playing center field for the New York Yankees. That's all I have to say. I mean, he'll be back. I don't. He'll be back. He'll be back. He's he's a solid hitter and he's a very good fielder. If you have Aaron Judge in right field and a, another big time guy in left field, yeah, you can live with Bader in center field. But he's got Billy McKinney and Frenchie Cordero, and it's just it's it's absurd. The immortal so, Willie Calhoun. I forgot about him. Willie Calhoun. The immortal <laughs> Willie Calhoun. Yeah. So well, I'm my Uber driver to work today, I think. <laughs> he was a pretty good driver. I give him credit. You gave him five stars? Yeah, 100%. 100%, 100%. <laughs> so So hypothetical situation, you're hired to replace Cashman as GM, and Hal says you can only make three moves. What are, what are your priorities? How you how you fix this team in three moves? I, I, I think, one, you have to – I know analytics is everywhere. I think you, you have to get a better analytic department or kind of yeah. maybe move away from it a little bit because I just like, yeah. – like the analytics is telling you that lefties aren't a big deal. Yeah, but you're at Yankee Stadium. You know what I mean? You need you need big time lefties. It's, um, I mean, if, if one of the moves would ask Hal to sell the team, but we know that's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you have to make a decision. Uh, are you going to be the Yankees? Are you going to try to spend? Are you going to whether you can get them or not? Are you going to throw all the money in the world at Otani or Juan Soto? Or if you're not and you want to go a different direction, then develop develop your guys better. Play the kids. You know, if you're gonna wait for Dominguez, you know, right? Like, and now I got like a, uh, it's 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 just very frustrating, guys. As no, you can it's tell, a, as you can tell in my voice, it's it's completely foreign territory for for contemporary Yankee fans. You yep. know, like you have to really consider like that the stick Michael Bob Watson model really spoiled the Yankee, the mid mid to late '90 Yankee fans. To, oh, okay. you know, yeah, we're absolutely spoiled. And that's the other thing. That, that's why Cat. It, it, it's mind-boggling to me that Cashman gets a break. He didn't build those teams. He got Bob Watson coffee. Like, yeah. people seem, seem to forget that. Yeah. But uh, I'm surprised that, you know, you didn't mention uh, possibly moving Stanton. 
Well, you got, you know. oh, I, I've wanted to move Stanton for years, and I mean, he's got a no, no trade. Years ago, he he turned down the trade. He turned down the Cardinals a couple years ago when he was with Miami. Like, who doesn't want to play in St. Louis? It's well, it's renowned as the best baseball town in the world. Uh, now, with only a couple years left in his contract, maybe you can move him. Because that's, you know, when people at the trade deadline, when they were, you know, jokingly saying, oh, you can get Otani. Well, you can't have Otani and Stanton on the same team because they don't play the outfield. Right. Like, Otani's capable of it, but you don't want him getting hurt he's pitching, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would love to try to find somebody to take Stanton's money. When we got him a couple years ago, people were excited. I wasn't. I said, okay, yeah, he's a nice, he's a good player, but we have Aaron Judge. I wanted to wait a year and sign Bryce Harper. I mean, I know Bryce has been hurt last year, but yeah, he'd be a, he'd be a much better fit on this team. I mean, Stan had has. They didn't even call him. They didn't even call. They didn't even call him Danny. They didn't even call Bryce Harper. It, I know. And he wanted them to call him. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He wanted to talk. He knew it might not be possible, but he wanted the phone call. Yeah. And didn't even call the guy. Oof. It, yeah. Oof. George is. Know that. And I don't know what they're waiting for to bring this kid up. Was it Pariah or Pariah? Pariah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, yeah. What are we? What are you waiting for? Right. Like, what the like, fuck are you waiting for? That's the only. You, you want to get people in the stadium in September? That's one way to do it. You know. Peraza, Pereira. How about Florial? Playoffs or not? Oh. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Here's a guy, Florial. They they told us about. Well, we signed him when he was 16. You heard about him for five or six years. He would come up in spurts. He never really hit, but I don't think they ever really gave him a big chance. But now he's he's in the minors tearing it up, and they're so worried about ruining his trade value by calling him up. You need to do a better job of evaluating your own talent and knowing when to move them. Oh, Look, you mean like how they ruined Clint Frazier's career? They what ruined, about they Miguel, ruined Miguel and Duhar? Miguel and Duhar had 50 doubles his rookie year. You know, a couple of years ago when you know the Astros got Cole and when they got Verlander, you don't want to give these guys up, and then you then you ruined them. Debbie Garcia, we heard about Debbie Garcia for years. He came up, he started a playoff game. He gave up. He struck, struck out the side. Gave up a solo shot, and then they took him out for Jay Happ, which was the stupidest move ever to try to to try to fool them. It, oh, they're gonna have all the lefties in the lineup, and they never told Debbie Garcia what they're doing. So this kid went thinking like, "Oh man, I gave up a home run. They took me out. Like I'm bad." It, I think it ruined the psyche. They released him. Oh, now he's on the White week. Sox. Yeah, he's bad. Yeah. Ever Everson has a 9.26 OPS. Can I interest you in that for August? Yeah, yeah. It's it's mind-boggling. Dude, call them all up. Call Wells up. Call all the pitchers up. Like everybody, like everybody. Like right. They're... We we did this in 2016. You know, we called up Judge. We called up these guys, Sanchez, and they showed something. And then we were we were back to being a, a contender within a year. And then we fired Joe Girardi because he was too tough on Gary Sanchez. Yeah, well, Gary Sanchez needed a kick in the ass. I think we all we all knew that. Then they bring in Boone, who's singing Kumbaya in the, in the clubhouse, and that hasn't worked well. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's getting cl- very close to being football season for both New York teams. So, you know, the, the, for that. that's the one thing that we can all look forward to. Yep. But uh, we're roughly four weeks away from the start of the NFL season. So let's talk some big blue. The Giants go into the season with pl- with a playoff ex- appearance under their belt from last year. <laughs> and with that comes increased expectations. They draw the Cowboys in week one seemingly as per usual walk us through the Giants week one matchup against the Cowboys and give us those keys to victory well the cat I mean, we, we need to show up week one I, you hate to to put too much bearing on one game but our schedule is very tough especially the first the first half the first nine games you want to show you're improved and you're a legit playoff contender which I think we are you have to go out and beat the Cowboys the Cowboys are one of those fluky teams. There's going to be three to four games a year where they look like the best team in the league, and Dak's looking great, putting up points. 
There's going to be three to four where Dak looks like he shouldn't be in the league. And then they're going to be average the rest of the time. You just you just hope you, you, week one is one of those weeks for Dak where he stones the guys, you know, on defense, which he does a lot. Um, I think this year, I think I'm very excited about the offense. Daniel Jones finally has a little continuity in the same system two years in a row. I think he really was taking giant steps last year towards the end of the year, the Colt game, the Viking game. We got our ass kicked by Philly, I understand. But he's got some more weapons. Uh, the key is going to be, as it always is, the offensive line. A guy like Mika Parkins can wreck the game. And if he gets to Daniel Jones early, you know, it could look like Daniel Jones from a couple of years ago. So we need we need to protect him. I think we can with Andrew Thomas is an all-pro level. I think Evan Neal will take, take a meaningful step in the second in the second year. Yeah, John Michael Schmitz, the, the rookie, everybody's raving about him. If he can if he can step in as a rookie and play well, I think we have a very good offensive line. And on the end of the ball, you got to get to Dak. you got to pressure him. And I think with our pass rush, we're certainly capable of doing that. Yeah, I think it's definitely within the wrong possibility. And then X McKinney and Dory Jackson just have to be waiting on those picks because they're coming. Yep, that's, yeah, just, that, that's the beauty part about Dak Prescott. You know, that yep. train's never late. No, no. But, um, you know, so who, in your mind, who will be the most valuable giant this season, not named Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley? So who is that breakout star for you? Well, obviously, the wall to pick up is huge because when he is healthy, I mean, he's he's uncoverable. You know, he, he, he's a freak. And that's what everybody, all the Giants are saying uh, so far in camp. So he's a very important part. I think, you know, akin to that, I think the breakout star might be Daniel Bellinger, who I was who I loved last year. And I thought he was on his way to having an excellent rookie year until he got poked in the eye. I think with Waller, even though Waller's probably going to line up, you know, in the slaughter outside sometimes, I think in two tight end sets, I think Daniel Bellinger could be huge. Uh, Bobby O'Perry, the, the guy we took up from the Colts, he's the best linebacker we have. I think our defense was good last year. Our linebackers were borderline disgraceful. I mean, just had nobody. So, Jared Davis and, um, you know, Jalen Smith, I mean, yeah, these guys at one point might have been good, but not good anymore. The Colts, when we, we killed the Colts last year, and he was the only guy in the field making plays to them. And I remember thinking, like, oh, man, he, he gets overshadowed a little bit with uh, – uh, Darius Leonard, right? Is that the guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think he gets overshadowed by Leonard a little bit. And you mentioned before, McKinney. I think McKinney's second year in Wink's system. I think Wink knows how to use him now, and I expect big things from Xavier McKinney. Big big plays. Uh, I think a, a Pro Bowl year for McKinney. Nice. Yeah, no, that's definitely... I mean, playing off of Dory Jackson, people might, you know, kind of go away from that, and he'll definitely get a chance to shine. Like, I'm really looking at a guy like Jalen Hyatt. Like, I think he's got yeah. some speed. He's got some burn. And that kid can definitely stand out in a wide receiver, you know, a wide receiver needy organization like the Giants. Like, they have Slayton. They got another year of Shep. But Hyatt, can, I think, really can uh, – if he can stay on the field and make some plays, I think he'll be a, a welcome addition. Absolutely. And they, the knock on him was, oh, he's not the best route runner. I mean, he'll he'll improve that as, as the career goes along. But if you can outrun everybody – then you don't have to worry about running routes. And like you said, he's a blazer. It he, he makes it look easy. So he's like deceptive where he looks like he's just going nice and easy and all of a sudden he's blowing past guys, which I think is to be very important. No, very true. You know who is an okay route runner? Randy Moss. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah, I, I say I was he's pretty good at that. Yeah. But uh you is, know, that we'll why get Jalen, you... is that why he's wearing eighty four Hyatt? Is that oh. gonna be Moss esque? That could be the case. You know, we'll Straight. call it Hyatt you. So then put put some straight cash, homie, on uh, Jalen Hyatt winning Rookie of the Year, then. 
As long as he doesn't moon anybody, I am good with that. <laughs> we'll get you out of here on this one, brother. We know that football games are won in the trenches. So who will be the most important offensive and defensive lineman this season besides Andrew Thomas and Leonard Williams? I think on the offensive side of the ball, you don't want to put too much pressure on a rookie, but it's it Schmitz at center. If he can come in and anchor that offensive line, it'll be a huge help. If you have two good, good tackles and a good center, you can get away with having below average guards, which I, I mean, hopefully we, it's not that, that, that's not the case, but I think it might be. So definitely Schmitz on the offensive side of the ball. Defensive side, you want Ojolari to, to stay healthy because he's a force, but I really think it's Thibodeau. I mean, Thibodeau is, he's on the way to becoming a superstar, I believe. He had a, especially late in the year, he was, he was really show, showing the type of presence he can be. That re, the guard, uh, excuse me, the commander's game, the Washington game, he wrecked the game. He was all over the place, scored a touchdown. Uh, and I think Wink loves him. He's got, the knock on him in college was he had that college jog. He doesn't hustle. I, I don't see that at all. He's got a motor on him. He's all over the field. He plays the run. He does whatever Wink wants. So I think Thibodeau will be the breakout star there and, and most important guy on defense. And they're going to need him, you know, because Leonard Williams is going to get doubled. He's going to get, he's going to be the focus, but Kayvon Thibodeau definitely has what it takes to be a stud. And you know who's a stud? Danny Butler, the <laughs> member of the in, the in crowd. Lad, wonderful job, as per usual. You got anything going on at Toppy Brother? Like, what's, what's up? Uh, we have uh, trivia every Tuesday, karaoke every Thursday, uh, brunch Saturday and Sunday. Uh, a couple months ago, I was looking forward to a very busy October with, you know, both baseball teams playing deep into, uh, deep into the fall, but obviously that's, that's out. Uh, <laughs> that's but, so, yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll just switch our attention to football Sundays now and hopefully, uh, our two football teams can, uh, pick up the slack. Hopefully from your lips to God's ears. So Danny Butler, a member of the in crowd tried and true and if you want to get into the action if you want to become a member of the in crowd hit us up faderoutemail at gmail.com or slide in those dms on ig at faderoute podcast or on x at faderoute dnz danny butler pleasure as always and we will definitely have you on again soon brother pleasure's mine guys thank you so much all the best want to get on the action we want to hear from you hit us up fade route mail at gmail.com slide in our dms on ig at fade route podcast drop us a dm on twitter at fade route dnz comment on our youtube channel the fade route with dnz questions comments picks segment suggestions you name it we want to hear from you get at us in crowd The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. All right, boys and girls, you know what time it is. It's time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week. Here's how it goes. We put up a poll on our Twitter account at FadeRouteDNZ and you vote. 
and you vote, and you vote, and you vote. And the winner of said vote gets a shout out on this here show and the coveted ass trophy. And do you know who took home the coveted ass trophy last week, D? I don't. Colin Coward. Ah, that guy. The list was so long and distinguished, we had to have two polls going concurrently on our Twitter page at FadeRouteDNZ. And note to Mr. Coward, proofread. But that was last week. This is this week. Who are your nominees for Alleged Superstar of the Week, D? All right, first up, I've got the New York Jets. The team that was a quarterback away has felt the need to now add yet another elite player in Dalvin Cook. Can we stop saying this team was a quarterback away yet? New York Jets, you are my Alleged Superstars of the Week. Next, New York sports radio hosts, plural, everyone from Boomer and Geo to DPHO and Rothenberg have felt the need to take digs at Packers GM Brian Gutekust. Every time they talk about Rodgers and the Air Jets, they have to call him stupid. They have to call Guten, they have to say Gutekust doesn't know football, etc., just because he traded Aaron Rodgers. The Packers needed to move on. To Jordan Love. That's why they drafted Jordan Love. They sent Rodgers to a good situation. Hop off, everybody. New York sports radio hosts. You are my alleged superstars of the week. And number three, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Not only have you sunk lower in the standings since the All-Star break, but now Shohei is missing his next start due to arm fatigue. Oh, how the tables have turned. Los Angeles Angels of Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. You are my alleged superstars of the week. What do you got, Z? Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of Orange County of California of the United States of America of Earth. That's going to look so bad when he walks away. That's going to look so bad when he walks away. I'm starting off. And you'll appreciate this. The New York Mets. Atlanta 21, Mets 3. Need I say more? (laughs) Atlanta 21, Mets 3. And this is the game one of the doubleheader. Danny Mendick gave up eight runs in the top of the ninth inning. (laughs) It was so over. How over was it? Nicky Lopez pitched the bottom of the ninth inning for the Braves. Got him out 1-2-3. (laughs) <laughs> that's all you that's all I gotta say you couldn't put up a fight against a utility infielder who was mercifully who was mercy killing you because you had to save their bullpen for a double header and you still couldn't score 21 to 3 man the Falcons did a good job beating down the Jets Mets my god You've made this season unwatchable. Almost New York baseball in general has been unwatchable the past month. And this is just the biggest pus-filled zit. The latest big pus-filled zit. New York Mets, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Number two, James Harden. Calling out Daryl Morey, saying he's a liar and that you're never going to play for him. (sighs) 
Just enough, man. Shit or get off the pot. Shit or get off the pot. Because guess what? He owns your contract. He can do what he, he can do what he wants with it. You event you sign that contract. You need to abide by that. And guess what? If you do that, if you show you're a good guy and a team player, teams will probably trade for you. Just throwing that out there. I don't know why I'm still whispering. James Harden, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And number three, Max Scherzer. You thought I was going to go Sal Licata. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Not Sal Licata. I've talked enough about him. Max Scherzer. Inning, inning, strikeout on pitch clock violation. You figured to be happy. Inning's over. I can go to the dugout. I can, you know, I can rest. Proceeds to bitch out the ump. Max. I don't know if you know how this works, but a strikeout in your favor ends the inning. And it's one less pitch you have to throw. That's a good thing. Why are you yelling at the ump? Why? As usual, Max is showing that he's Mr. Congeniality. Max Scherzer, you are my alleged superstar of the week. We've made our case, ladies and gentlemen. Go to our X page at FadeRoutDNZ and vote. And vote and vote and vote. And for our nominees. Just do better, boys. Just do better. can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstar is located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top-notch. Westchester Popstars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Popstars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. Order up! We continue our division by division breakdown in the NFL as we order up. Order up, order up. This week, we are going to order up the AFC South from 4 to 1. Who you got, Dave? All right, your favorite division, the AFC South. Um, oh, absolutely. So, starting with Houston Texans, Stroud has looked raw in the preseason. Nico Collins is a three on most teams, and he's being forced into a one. I see two, maybe three wins this season for Houston. 
Number three, the Indianapolis Colts. This Jonathan Taylor saga, man, it's just carrying on. He left again today to take care of personal matters. This is just getting uglier and uglier. I think Anthony Richards will Richardson will play well. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna play well, but they're gonna finish in third. Uh, number two, the Tennessee Titans. People are doubting DeAndre Hopkins way too much. I think the Titans play well, but I see Derrick Henry breaking down down the stretch. And number one in all your hearts, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence will excel under Doug Peterson in year two of his offense. He could be up for an MVP award. Calvin Ridley will have over 1,000 yards, probably over 1,300 yards receiving, double-digit touchdowns. Their defense will play well. I got Jacksonville number one. What do you got, C? We're not that far apart. Mm. We're, not, we're not that far apart. Fourth place, I'm going to go with the Colts especially if this Jonathan Taylor thing lingers further. Mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson, not sold on, mm-hmm. right? He's got to prove that he is what, at least what Jim Irsay thinks he is, right? You have Minshew there. He's a quality capable backup. You have Pittman, you have McKenzie, not bad. You have a pretty good offensive line. Defense, what do you have? You have Shaq Leonard and you have you have DeForest Buckner. You have some okay pieces. I don't know if that offense is going to be able to make up for that defense, especially if Jonathan Taylor is not there for ball control. They need him or they need to ship him out. One of the two. But I'm going with the Colts in fourth. Number three, I'm going with the Texans. And not necessarily because of C.J. Stroud. Like, he's there. He'll get the he'll get the first crack. Damian Pierce is very good. They brought in Devin Singletary. Robert Woods is there. Dalton Schultz came in the offseason. The offensive line's looking better. It's looking better. They can probably protect Stroud. I like what they're doing on defense. Will Anderson, Sheldon Rankins, Christian Kirksey. That secondary looks pretty decent. Looks pretty decent. Let's see what Coach Ryans can do. And if C.J. Stroud can develop and mature and take that step, then they're on to something. That'd be great. They already have a good they have a good running game. They're going to have the safety net in Dalton Schultz. They have Robert Woods if he can stay healthy. I know, big if. But I think the Texans are narrowly Narrow. We're talking like a game or two better than the Colts. Number two, we're in agreement. The Tennessee Titans, I don't know who their quarterback is. Another one, Tannehill's going to get first shot, but it would not surprise me if Levis gets significant playing time, if Willis gets significant playing time, and that's going to be their downfall. That is going to be their downfall. Derrick Henry is another year older. I think his time is slowly coming to the end. He's not going to be able to take those hits that he used to be able to deliver. Week one last year kind of exposed him. The Giants were bouncing him around. So, yes, Hopkins is there. Burks is there. You know, you have some guys. But the defense is still going to play quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. The only thing 
that's keeping them in second place is that the other teams, these other two teams, are so bad. In theory, the Titans can be under 500 and still be in second place in this division. I can see that pretty well. That they can be under 500 and still finish in second place. Just on the lack of strength in the remainder of the division. But that leaves, by default, number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We are in agreement on them. This team is loaded, and there is no reason, not one, that they cannot repeat as division champs and make more of them of noise. If they make more noise in the AFC. Would it surprise me if they were in the divisional round? Not at all. Would it surprise me if they made it to the AFC title game? Might be a little bit of a stretch, but I can see it. It's possible. You catch a team at, a right, at the right time. A healthy Travis Etienne. Calvin Ridley comes in. Calvin Ridley is an important ad. I can definitely see big things coming out of Jacksonville this season. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Catch our podcast usually on Wednesday nights on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. So until next time, stay faded, everyone. Time for us to run the go route, but we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.